Hello and welcome to Corona Stories, the place where people can be open and honest about their feelings surrounding Covid, lockdown and related matters. I'm Christine Padgham. This episode was recorded on the 18th of January. So a warm welcome to you, sir. I've known your name for a while on Facebook, I think. Yes, Following one another around. But I've become very familiar with your name and your icon. So it's really nice to finally be speaking to you. It's nice to speak to you after following some of the work that you've been doing. Tremendous. Oh, thank you. Um, it, it keeps some of us in a in an easy position. Oh, good. You have expressed an interest in speaking today about, you know, your experiences of lockdown and things. I believe you own your own business. Yes, I own my own business, and in the beginning, uh, way back in March 2020, we watched the news horrific. Uh, videos of people dying in the streets mm-hmm. uh, and we all kind of suddenly went, oh, this isn't good, we need to shut the door. Uh, and for three weeks we did shut the door. Yeah. Um, a friend, um, one of my uh, family members is a emergency worker uh, and she was good enough to drop food and stuff into us so that we didn't need to go out of the house. Oh. That After nice. that, it kind of became pretty prominent that it wasn't quite as bad as certainly I was was viewed by the media uh, and got quite angry at the media um, personally that they were portraying this this thing as it was going to kill everybody across the world, um, which we now realise it hasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it hasn't been as bad as the original um, Ferguson made out that half a million people in the UK would die. Yeah. So after that time, we kind of took a, a step back. We looked at my business and said, right, we need to, we can't sit about doing nothing because at the time uh, the government had made it plain that self-employed people were basically on the back burner and they had no thoughts for anybody at all. Mm. And understand it was through the FSB that a lot of this was brought forward. Um, seeing that what they offered us was the same as furlough for uh, employed people, but they forget that self-employed businesses and small businesses do have outlays that they still need to pay for. Uh, I have vehicles and premises I need to pay for, uh, and at the end of the day, the furlough money that the government's offering me uh, gives me approximately £220 a month to live on. My wife has lost her business as well because she was also self-employed. Oh, really? Uh, and, and, has, and has had no... Um, no income at all. We got, I think, we got fifty-seven pounds universal credit right at the beginning, uh, and then I made, I started going out to work, and I, I told Universal Credit this, this is what I was going to do. So that then stopped, and we're we're very lucky. We've we've managed to get by, survive up until now. Um, but with this new lockdown, it's it's getting it's getting really hard again. Uh-huh. So your wife's business is is that completely folded? She she had she had an Airbnb, uh, and that that just went down from middle of February 
we saw bookings starting to drop off and drop off and drop off. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had she had bookings right throughout right through until December uh, that would have given her a, an average wage uh, after she paid her, her bills. But we just saw that just drop, 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 um, and uh, she's now left with nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, has been entitled to, to no help whatsoever. Oh dear. So yeah, so that's been that's been mentally and financially uh, difficult. She'd built this business up over six years uh, and is now sitting at home twiddling her thumbs. Mm. Um, so she, she suffers from uh, depression, anxiety, and has done previously. So this has pushed her back down uh, because one of the reasons for setting up the Airbnb was to give her something to do and focus on. Yeah. Uh, and she was doing really well and, and getting used to meeting people and going out again. Uh, because for for years she didn't, she did very little, uh, so she was she was back on a on an upward upward curve, uh, and then come March she's just plummeted back down again and, and can't see a a forward an end an end date, which is really difficult for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so as well as trying to keep my own mental health going, I'm trying to support her at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, uh, missing family. Unable to see family. Um, my mother stays locally to us. Um, she's in her 80s. My father lives further away. Uh, we should have seen him twice this year. We should have also gone to visit him. Unfortunately, because of all, everything that's happened, we were unable to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. We do have a family FaceTime meeting once a week with myself um, and my siblings. So we, we are in contact, thankfully. Um, my mum, we, we try and make out she, she's the same, she's very independent, uh, has been very used to being, going out, seeing her friends, going to an aqua fit, yeah. going to her garden and sorting her garden out. That's fine, she'd been okay during the summer, but come the winter, she's just, she's just down. Oh. Uh, I got, I got a text from her on, um, Wednesday night that just made me cry, uh, saying she doesn't know why she's here anymore, there's no reason to live. Uh, and this is this is a woman, 84, who's so independent prior to this, uh, and is just now at her wit's end. Uh, and you think this is, this is what is the, what is, where, where, where will this end? Um, personally, I know two men who both in their fifties who have taken sadly taken their own lives. Oh, no. Um and one one had a pub, so no end she's been open four weeks in ten months. Um and the other one took his own life for another reason. Uh because him and his wife had been getting on badly and, and he saw no no change. Uh so but I know I don't personally know anybody else, but I've read on many forums and speak to lots of people that there are sadly people taking their own lives. Well, we're hearing, I mean, practically every person I speak to now tells me about somebody who's committed suicide. Yep. Um, it's just absolutely devastating. Um, I can totally, I mean, I'm very far from that point myself in my head, thank goodness, but... I can absolutely understand why people lose any interest in going on because it really 
it drags you down this. It, it does drag you down, and, I, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm 56 years old. Three times in the last 10 months, I've considered what's the point. Why? Where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's horrific to actually think like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very difficult. I had a, a medical problem that popped up early on in the year. I did the right thing and saved the NHS and did nothing about it. And then realised that I need to do something about it. Uh, and contact, tried to contact my GP four times. I was given a video call for a problem that I couldn't see in the mirror. And they certainly couldn't see using a video call. Uh, and it got to the stage where I had to say, phone the GP and say, look, if you don't see me, I will come and sit on your doorstep until I am seen. Mm-hmm. And it was, only, it was only then did they sit up and take notice. And they said, OK, let's get you in. And I did, I, did, I did get to see the GP the following week. And true to his word, I was seen at uh, St John's Hospital in Livingston the following week, checked out by a, a specialist uh, and thankfully given the all clear. Mm-hmm. But eight months I went through not knowing what it could be uh, and then being told it's nothing, thankfully, but I'm really glad you came. Uh, when I explained to the specialist how long it had taken, he was horrified and said, this is just not right. The, 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 the NHS, have not the NHS, the government have basically forgotten all about everything else except COVID this year, which is horrific. Yeah. Um, and as many people will die of unseen cancers, treatments that they should have got, that they haven't got. Uh, and I, I can't see that we, we don't see any forward motion. Mm. Nearly 10 months later, and we're, we're still in the same boat. Yeah. Um, do you have any children? All the children, yeah. thankfully. Okay. And how have they been getting on? Have they been all right, or? I, I have two boys. One um, actually was diagnosed with cancer in February. Oh, gosh. Uh, he managed, after lots of kicking up, to get uh, an operation which thankfully seems to have solved the problem uh, and has made a very good recovery. He's now back to work. Um, my other boy, he suffers from depression and stuff as well. Uh, he seems to manage to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lost his job. He was a chef uh, and lost his job at the beginning of all this, but thankfully he's managed to get another job and seems to be doing really well in it oh, uh, and, and enjoying enjoying what he's doing. So hopefully he's on a, an upward spiral. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really difficult, but every day you wake up uh, and it's slightly different and you think, how is today going to pan out. Uh, but we, we, need, we need to see an end to this uh, because every time you speak to somebody, you can see that they're starting to go down and down and down and people that are working from home uh, are now starting to find homeschooling really difficult. Yeah. Um, speaking to somebody on Friday, uh, they've got two young kids, a six and eight year old. He's working in the living room. She's working in the kitchen. They're trying to homeschool the children. 
uh, and she's just saying our, our alcohol recycling box is filling up faster than it ever has. So we're also going to have an issue with alcohol abuse, child abuse, because people, husband-wife abuse, um, because people are just stuck in the same four walls and unable to do the normal things that we would have done a year ago. Yeah. I think um, it's really, really difficult. It really is. Um, it was, I had a really interesting, one of these interviews that I've done, um, the lady, she was talking about um, how the pandemic has changed, or not really the pandemic, how our response to the pandemic has changed her relationship with her home. She was, you know, saying it's like every single room now is a public space. You know, and there's yes. Zoom calls happening, and like her husband's working in the lounge, and she's working in her bedroom, and the kids are working. Yep. In the, every, she just every single corner of her house is taken up with stuff. There's no, there's no privacy no. anymore. And there's no. She, you can't you can't go out and and sit in a corner, or sit in a room and have ten minutes peace without the kids coming in. No. Or, and during the day, the same again. People are, are now seeing that in the beginning it was a novelty, they were working from home, it was wonderful, they were with their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fine when the kids weren't at school, but now the kids are back, now the kids are homeschooling. And same again, uh, uh, I spoke to a woman the other day and she was saying that, uh, she was speaking to her daughter uh, and she was saying her daughter said, I never realised how much of a, uh, how much my husband talks and they're the same, they're, they're stuck in the house, both working from home. Yeah. She says he never shuts up. Normally we'd both disappear at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock in the morning, yeah. come home at 6 o'clock and we'd sit at the dining table and have a chat about what's happened during the day. Mm-hmm. She says now he's there all day and she says I just wish he'd shut up sometimes. And that's what's happening to families, yeah. which, which is horrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are, are, very, are missing. like very happy families. Very, extremely happy yeah, families family. are now starting to be at each other's throats, yeah. um, purely because they're, they're all stuck in. The, the kids can't get out, they can't go swimming, they can't do the football, they can't run about outside with other children. Um, just a very somebody, somebody close by to us has got two children, uh, and the mum there said it's horrific because the kids are saying, why can't we do this, why can't we go swimming? And she has to try and explain to them they can't. We were meant to take my, my uh, I have an eight-year-old grandson, we were meant to take him on holiday for the first time ever last year. That's now been, that was cancelled. Mm-hmm. We've rebooked it again for this year. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, and you think, where where will this ever end? I know. And if they could say, yes, come the 1st of March, we'll all be back to normal, it'd be wonderful. And everybody could say, okay, we can do another four or five weeks of this. But not knowing anything is is just horrific. Uh, and this this I would I was reading uh, and listening to news and reading things on on Facebook and forums that there's now more people taking their own lives that, than COVID has actually taken. Uh, and and that's going to get worse as time goes on. So yeah, it's very, very difficult at the moment and trying to motivate yourself is difficult. Yeah. I have two guys that work for me. Um, they, I'm trying to keep as much work for them as I can, working within the, the, the new restrictions that were, that were announced a week ago. Uh, they both have families, they both have mortgages. 
I think that's something that has been forgotten as well that my husband employs people and it's that pressure like it's not just about you it's about the people you employ and you, you 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 feel responsible for their life yes, not their lifestyle life but they are there if you don't have any work for them my two guys are self-employed subcontractors uh so they, yeah. I I, even, I I give them I throw them work and have them for sixteen years, uh, and they they've got to the to used to me saying hi feel Monday and we'll work for five days or sometimes six days, and they've had their holidays they've had their houses they've got cars mm-hmm. all of a sudden I've given them two days uh, two hours today. Last week they had nine hours. They normally have forty to forty-five hours work. Um, they've got, they've still got bills to pay. I know. I think that's the they're thing. slightly, they're slightly different because they're getting, the, they're getting their uh, self-employed money, which is enough to keep them going. But when you've got two vehicles and a, and a warehouse and a workshop to keep, it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the, the people that I'm meeting that are not really affected and are saying, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, you're wearing a tinfoil hat, blah, 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 mm-hmm. are the people that are sitting at home employed by either public uh, bodies, council, government, etc., or large companies that are getting full pay, working from home. It's not affected them one bit other than that they, they can't go out and they can't go out to meet their friends and blah, blah, blah. But financially, it's not hit them one single bit. They're actually probably better off because they're not going out for dinner, they're not going to pub, they're not going on holiday, and they've got money in the bank. A lot of my friends are in the construction industry, and during the summer, wow, we couldn't get in, we couldn't take any more work on because the amount of work people were throwing at us was tremendous. Mm-hmm. And it was great for us, but then come December, boom, it's all fell apart again. Yeah. So it's it's it would be nice to see a a change in thought uh, and and the government to realise that it's not all about COVID. There are other things that are happening. I know. Is it is it as bad as we make it out? Well, certainly the media is making out because the media, to me, have been horrific through the whole of this. Yeah, there does seem to be a concerted effort to make the news look as bad as possible. Yeah, scaremongering is just horrendous. Mm-hmm. I remember reading something in the Scotsman um, way back in the middle of the summer saying Scotland had the worst um, COVID deaths in the UK. Uh, that was the headline. Mm-hmm. But then when you read the second paragraph, it said Scotland had the worst uh, COVID deaths, but some of them had not been tested. So you've got this eye-grabbing headline saying Scotland's got the worst coronavirus deaths, but then when you read into it, these people hadn't even been tested. So how they can say somebody had a uh, a COVID death when there's no testing, it's just, it's just sensationalism, as far as I was concerned. Uh, and 
I wrote to the Scotsman editor and said this is wrong. Uh, surprisingly enough, didn't get a response. Mm. Um, and it's the same. I, I heard something on the news today that they've now said that um, somebody, I can't remember who the minister was, but they're, they're now looking at the way the figures are calculated in the UK uh, because he can be in hospital, tested positive and died at any time in the year now, not just within 28 days, uh, and be classed as a COVID death. Hmm. It's, it's, so the figures are, are way, way worse than they, than they are. Mm. Uh, I remember watching Sturgeon one day. Uh, I have no political views at all. Uh, I remember watching her one day saying, oh, we had 92 deaths yesterday in Scotland. Yeah, we probably did. And on average, I, I then sat down that day and worked out over the last 10 years, on average in Scotland, we have 158 deaths on an average day across Scotland. Mm. She was making it out that we had 92 that day. She didn't say 92 deaths of COVID. She just said 92 deaths. But that's actually less than the average day. But sensationalism shows once again that, oh, people are saying, no, 92 people died. But if you actually went and had a look and did a bit of research, and this is part of the problem, nobody wants to do any research. Yeah. They just want to sit well, and watch, watch the news. Yeah, people think that they shouldn't have to do any research, and they have a point because, you know, you should be able to trust the... You should be able to trust the media that they're telling the truth. The thing is, though, and the, that and the government people telling the truth, but some, it's clearly mm-hmm. sometimes without what I don't know about the day that you're talking about, but sometimes um, she has quoted a number of deaths as having occurred in the last twenty-four hours, but that's not true. It's reported in the last twenty-four hours, and that's a very yes. different thing. So sometimes we've we've been able to determine that. Some deaths are reported, you know, over two months after the date that they actually occurred on. So well, I think I think one one of one of the things that I found, I think it may well have been one one of the things that you actually personally did. Uh, these it was over a, over a thirteen day period that all these people had died, yeah. but they were only reported on one day. Yeah. So it may it made it look. So on one day there was actually only two people died, and one day there was nobody died, yeah. one day there was another person died, but it all of a sudden came to a head on one day that there was 27 people died. Mm-hmm. But when you looked at the figures, they were spread over 13 days. Yeah. And that does But sensationally, it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's human beings very, are always, very low. Human beings are always drawn to the same, the, the bad news as well. So the last two days, for example, zero deaths have been reported um, because it's, Oh, this is Monday, so yeah, today's report is from yesterday, so you, you never get really any days reported, any deaths reported on Monday. And obviously yesterday they were reporting Saturday's deaths, and again, there seems to be a bit of a hold-up in the reporting, but of course what that means is that if it's only five days of the week that you're actually reporting deaths, and two of the days there's basically zero deaths, Reported. Yeah, it makes that, a daily it makes a daily death look higher. Yeah, so then if you on, divide it by five and divide it right. instead of dividing it by seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, like one day last week, I think, I can't remember the exact numbers, but there was a day when there were seventy-eight deaths reported, and that does sound. I mean, like you say, one hundred and fifty people die every day in Scotland, or something along those lines. 
Um, so 78 sounds like an awful lot to die of COVID, but yeah. the story's not as straightforward as that. And no. It makes me really, of course, you have to, really the interesting thing is how many people died or how many deaths are we reporting from in the last 24 hours and how many deaths would we have expected to report in total? That yes, is, Because if COVID deaths are replacing other deaths, which they are to a large extent now, um, that's a very different picture to the spring when we did see a lot of excess deaths from COVID and, you know, we had a crisis. That was a genuine... I, I agree, we did have a crisis in, in April and May. I mean, we had something uh, of a crisis now as well, which is due to a number of factors, but I just get really cross about the lack of context. I think if you're going to give people numbers all the time, you have to put them into context, because otherwise, yeah. you know, you're not comparing... Well, you're not even... It's not like even, for like. Um, exactly, exactly. Um, and it's just, people don't like to hear about people dying, so... They hear, no. you know, 78 deaths and think, oh my goodness, that's horrendous. Because people, yeah. you know, naturally people are nice and they don't want to hear about people dying and they're worried about yeah. COVID. But there's just been a complete lack of responsibility, in my view, from the authorities about how they actually present them. Yeah, how it's reported, yes, yes, definitely. it's never uh, in anyone's interest to scare people. You don't want to scare people. You want to inform them. And yes, the way the media is going around at the moment, everything is a scare. Everything is a tactic. It seems to be mm -hmm. uh, just scare, 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 scare. Um, I, my personal view of, of why we had a, a real peak in uh, April and May is when they took all the, the sick and unwell people out of the hospital to clear the hospitals. They put them into care homes. Care homes aren't set up like a hospital. They don't have 24-hour, seven-day-a-week one-to-one -one patient access and this is why a lot of people in my personal view why a lot of people passed away because they weren't getting the the, the icu care that they should have been getting mm. uh, and that and that's why we had a we had a peak and yes there was something a lot of friend of mine said to me right at the beginning of this a lot of people that will die over the rest of the year on a normal case will die in a very short period of time but yeah, it's it's difficult. There's so much, and there's so much disinformation out there as well. Um, mm. You hear all sorts of things, and you're not quite sure what to believe. And so you need you need to you need to start doing a bit of digging yourself. Uh, and it's not difficult to find find stuff. Uh, and the information that you personally are putting out, it's it's wonderful to see. Uh, very easy to follow. Very easy to read. Uh, and always backed up with evidence. Thank you. We, so. mm, I try to... <laughs> You're doing a great job. You're doing a great <laughs> job, Christine. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I've become quite passionate about it because I just don't want people... I just... I hate seeing people being scared and altered by fear. And it's not that I'm saying that they shouldn't be scared... It's not up to me to decide that, but I just think that people have been so misinformed. I don't know about you, but, um, you know, well, you've talked about it a wee bit, but I was very compliant in March and April and May with the lockdown and things. And, you know, what really... I, I hesitate to use the, word, the term, but it is 
the most accurate way to describe what happened to me. I woke up in about, I think, about the end of May when I started looking at the statistics. And I can't actually believe that I hadn't done that until then. I hadn't really... I had been following them a bit, like, internationally, but I hadn't really looked at the Scottish data. And I think we got caught up doing up our garden. And I was quite happy and comfortable, and my children were happy, and my husband was happy, and we were all just plodding along. And then one day I went and looked up the Scottish statistics. I just couldn't believe what I saw. Like... I couldn't believe my I honestly I could not believe my eyes and it wasn't that I don't even know if I'd been lied to so much as misinformed I'd been given this impression that the numbers were so much worse than they actually were and yep. and I was just so amazed when I looked at the stats I I couldn't believe it and it actually took me a couple of weeks you know looking at them and mulling it over to try and work out what on earth was going on um yeah, well, like you say, we, we I complied for the first three weeks and then realised that if I don't go out and work, I'm going to get nothing mm-hmm. because it took the government certainly six to eight weeks to decide that self-employed people were going to get anything at all. And as I said before, my wife's business, had, we, we literally were getting things through Airbnb literally every 10 or 15 minutes, cancel, 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 cancel. Uh, and we just watched £20,000 worth of business uh, turn to nothing, literally be. within four days, um, and and did and saw no way out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was that was horrific. And then uh, we complied. Like I say, we shut the door for literally didn't go out the door for three weeks because we saw people on in the on the news, people dying in an airport, dying in China, walking down the street, dropping dead. We saw pictures of mass buildings full of full of coffins that have since turned out to be proved that that wasn't actually the truth. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's but mental health this year has has taken a huge hit, uh, and it's going to take a long time to build that up. But yeah. I'm, I'm probably one of the lucky ones. I went down the dip, managed to get back out again, went down again, back out again, down again, back out again. But there's a lot of people um, that won't be able to, to get out. Yeah. Uh, mental health, like I said before, my wife has suffered from mental health issues for the last 12 years. She was seeing a, a psychiatrist and uh, a CPN. Um, that used to come to the house. They would go out for coffee, have a chat. Unfortunately, the CPN um, went off sick about seven years ago, and my wife saw absolutely nobody. She was basically she she uh, had a description. She was dumped by the wayside, mm. uh, and and has never seen anybody since. So it was down, it was down to to me and her family to try and pick her up and, and keep her going. Uh-huh. But uh, mental health at the moment is, is like anything else. It's just being put to the side. And, <clears throat> and I do wonder a bit about, you know, once people get themselves into a mess mentally, or not, maybe a mess isn't a very good way to put it, but, you know, once... Into a rut. Yeah, once unhelpful thinking patterns have developed it's so hard to get yourself out of that it takes a yeah. long time i mean it, it does 
takes a long, long time. Yeah. You just need, and you can think you're on an even keel and you just, one small thing just sets you back off again. Uh-huh. And it is a real concern. The, and I, I mean, I can, I totally understand how it must happen to people because if you've got nothing to do, you know, if your whole everything that you get up for in the morning has been taken away, how, yep. how are you? How are you supposed? How are you supposed to not be affected by that mentally? It's just, you know. Yeah, there's there's many people that are, um, might listen to this who are in the, who are in the same boat. Uh, who have nothing, no reason they've lost everything that they've, they've maybe put in 25 years into a business. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of, one of my clients ran a, a coffee shop. Uh, she'd had that, she'd worked, she'd left a big company, uh, set up her own coffee shop, was doing really well, had five staff working with her, uh, and she, she's just devastated. Mm-hmm. And she, she, she speaks to me every now and again uh, as a friend on Facebook and said, where do we go from here? Um, she's put everything, somebody else I know had redundancy, he put everything, well, my my friend who, who took his own life, he had redundancy, uh, always wanted to run a pub down in England, uh, got that, uh, and has worked on it for, for six years to build this pub up to a nice free place. Uh, unfortunately, he, he didn't see a way out. Um, he left a, left a wife, uh, two children and a, and a granddaughter. Um, so sad to see because he couldn't see a way he still had bills, he still had rent he still had rates to pay uh, had supplier bills things like that and they kept saying oh get better you can open up for Christmas for five days so he went away and, and arranged for the, the chef to come back in for five days so they could mm. do this that and the next and then it just all fell apart again mm. which is nothing We've got a friend, um, a family friend who used to be in the Navy. He was quite a senior, he got a senior rank in the Navy. And when I saw him the last time, he was, we're talking about the pandemic, obviously. We're talking about um, the restrictions. And he was saying, you know, he was quite troubled by what he was observing because he was saying when he had to motivate his men and maybe women on the ships, they always knew that the absolute worst thing that they could do to people was change the plan. Yeah. You know, you you tell, obviously life in the Navy when you're on a mission is incredibly tough and hard going, it's a slog, and he's like, people can do it as long as they know what the plan is. So you make yeah. a plan, and you, you said we meticulously planned absolutely everything, and we made sure our plan was pretty much you know, feel safe. Yep. Because you can't change the plan. If you've got a whole load of people under duress, you must stick to the plan. They have to have an end date and they have to have a goal and they have to know once they've achieved this, this. Yeah, they, they, mentally they've set themselves up, right, yeah. this is what we're going to do yeah. with, this, with this project. Yeah. And it's the same, it's the same with anything. Yeah. You, you, you set up yourself so, and you'll you go to bed thinking about that and you wake up thinking about it mm-hmm. and think, right, yeah, this is the way we're going to plan this out. This is the way this is going to work. Yeah, every day we're a day closer. And then all you do is change one bit and everything that you've put into your head to, to the steps that this is going to work just completely gets thrown out the window. 
Yeah, I'm finding that with schooling just now, you know, because obviously I've got my children home from school and they keep asking me, and I think we coped okay with this in the spring because when schools came out and people were saying, you know, maybe we'd be back after Easter and I never thought that that was like, I always thought we probably weren't going to go back before the summer holidays. But now it's just like, so how long am I going to have my children home from school? And I don't yeah. even just mean, for me, I quite like having my children home from school. I enjoy my children's company and I don't really like the homeschooling bit, but I'm quite happy selfishly to have them here. I didn't have children to keep them at home all the time. I had them to send them out into the world. But I'm finding it so difficult to have no idea how long this is going to go on for. I mean, are they going yeah, to... Yeah, ch ch children are the same as adults. They need a goal. Yeah. They, 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 they need some and discipline. They need, they need a routine. They get up in the morning, they say, bye, mum. And they look forward to coming home to mum. Yeah. But at the moment, mum's trying to work, dad's trying to work, they're trying to do what the best they can, and all live within four walls, getting on top of each other, uh, and they can't see the they can't see the friends. Uh, I know I know of a, uh, one of my clients who had two boys. They walked to school together. Um, they then weren't allowed to see each other at school. They were in different playgrounds. Yeah. They couldn't see each other during the day, and then they walked home again at night. And she said, well, wh "Where is the sense in that?" I know. Um, and it's 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 sad. It's probably a good word. It's it's incredibly sad, and I do wonder. It's so hard to see the world through a child's eyes, and I do wonder. Will they ever recover from this? No, I mean no, they won't ever recover from it. Everybody's been permanently altered by this. They're, they just won't recover from it. But they're, you know, I just wonder. It's such a horrible thing for them to learn. You know, the state can just take their whole lives from them yeah. at a moment's notice, and through, through no fault of their own, that nothing that they've done has caused this. It's, and you know, I'm getting so angry at the lack of address from the government and also from councils and schools. I know that everyone everyone says they're just following the rules and their hands are tied and things, but it's just this complete refusal to address the issue that yes. you know, yes. not actually educating children. I'm sorry, even a teacher a teacher might work all day long and email and call and do video calls and check up on each pupil and be a hundred percent dedicated. I'm sure that a lot of teachers are working longer hours than they ever have before. I know I'm sure that. they are. But the point is, it's not teaching. It's it's not teaching. It's, it's not teaching. It's not the same as having a bunch of kids kids in a class together, having discussions with one another, having discussions with their teachers, just putting some interacting up. with each other. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. there's a reason why are like that, that we get children to congregate in one place and we get them all learning from one teacher. It's about learning to cooperate, it's about learning to communicate with one another, it's about learning, you know, like the nuance of things. So when your teachers, lots of things that teachers teach, they're not absolute hard and fast facts and rules, they're opinions and their views and it's about... Yep 
having a discussion, like I know that my daughters have really enjoyed that in class, you know, having a discussion about something and they're told something. And, le- and learning to to respect other people's views, yeah. learning to respect other people's space, uh-huh. learning to respect to, oh, wait a minute, somebody, want, somebody else wants to say something, so yeah. they'll all stop and they'll all listen to that one uh-huh. boy sit in the corner and then he'll stop and somebody else will kind of start mm-hmm. and they'll all sit and listen. And they all, they all, they're all entitled to put in their own view and they all share that, that small input that they're putting in. And then they'll all go away and take bits of information out of the day and analyse it themselves and then put it into their own heads those in whatever skills, way they feel is right. Yeah, those skills are much more important than the actual... You cannot get that across a, a computer or a, a phone or a video call. Um, oh. And all these people that are working from home, they're now all starting to say, you know what I really miss? A bit of banter, mm-hmm. a bit of company, a bit of chat at the coffee machine, going mm-hmm. out for a coffee at lunchtime, going pick up a sandwich. It's, yeah, it's it's difficult, really difficult. Uh, yeah, I was. And we need to we need to see an end. Yeah. A, a way out. I mean, my concern as far as um, working. As working goes, I mean, I'm not, I don't actually work in a workplace like most people, um, but I, I'm concerned about that for society as well. That the workplace is an incredibly culturally important place. Yeah. So, and I've a few business owners and like big big business owners that I've spoken to who say that you just can't, you can't put a price or a value because they're too high of those micro interactions that staff have overhearing a phone call that one of your staff has with another client that one of their colleagues hears you know all these tiny wee interactions make a massive difference and yeah um public sector workers as well I've spoken to a few of them who say exactly the same thing that their teams have been completely broken up and they're all interacting over the phone and on video calls and things which works absolutely fine as long as your team remains intact so as soon as one person retires and has to be replaced and a new team member enters how on earth are they supposed to learn their place and like make a place for themselves in a new team if they never actually meet their colleagues yeah yeah how are you supposed to do that you get you get so much just from being beside somebody, listening to them, yeah. seeing the facial expressions, and masks at the moment. You, everybody's going around miserable. Yeah. Um, nobody smile. Well, people do smile, but you can't see a smile behind the behind the mask, well, which is horrific. Children are looking, going around saying, "We don't see anyone smile." You don't hear anyone going up to baby going "goo goo 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 ga 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 ga" anymore. No. Because you can't see the facial expression anyway. I know. And the whole the whole human race has has lost that communication part. Everybody's scared walking around themselves. People are you you're standing in the street at my van uh, and I had two people walk past and pull a mask up as I walk as they walk past me in the street. And I you you're so scared of everything around you. You're now scared to live. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's it's very, very sad. Very sad. 
word sad keeps coming back, and that's that's what it is. You do. You sound like you're feeling sad. So am I. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think one of the I don't know what you find, but I just find it absolutely infuriating how some people. I'm trying not to get infuriated, but I do find it infuriating how some people just don't see it. You know, and they don't feel the sadness. You know. Yeah. And yeah. I'm getting I'm so getting so tired. Like you, I I mean I have serious serious reservations about masks, um, and the effect that they're having on us all. And I just think. I mean, some people seem to think that I'm totally crazy and it's just a mask and what on earth are you talking about? Yeah, But to yeah. me, like, being able to see people's faces is kind of a big deal. It's lovely. <laughs> being able to hug somebody is yeah. wonderful. <laughs> I, I I put something on Facebook way back in, oh, I think it was May or June. I went into a cafe and there was six tables in this cafe. Mm-hmm. And it's a cafe I go into regularly, and it's my favourite place to go and sit and have a breakfast when when you just need 10 minutes to switch off. Mm-hmm. And I walked in this cafe, and I sat at a table on my own. And outside this cafe, there was a family of four, mum and dad and two kids. And they were looking and pointing at my table, and my table was empty except for me sitting at it. And I got up and I said to the, I went to the door and I said, do you want that table? Uh, and they said, oh, that'd be wonderful, but what about you? And a guy sitting on his own at a table of two looked over and said, you can sit here. Mm-hmm. And I went, perfect. No, I said, do you mind? Not at all. So I got my, my breakfast and I took it over and sat down at his table, and it was a small table about a metre square, so we were, what, a foot away from each other? Yeah. And we ended up chatting for an hour and a half. Oh. I only went in for a 10-minute breakfast. Ended up chatting to him for an hour and a half. He learned about me. I learned about him. We're now friends on Facebook. Oh. At the end of it, we shook each other's hand, gave each other a man hug, and said the best of luck. And you know what? We've spoken probably 20 or 30 times by messenger and like twice on the phone since. Fashion. A guy, a guy from Wales I've never met before, <laughs> 25 years younger than me, you know what? That's what humans are about, and that's what I'm missing. Missing that interaction. Yeah. Shaking hands with my customers when I walk in to see them. A couple of them still do it. It's wonderful. Yeah. I went to see somebody two weeks ago who wanted some work done. Walked in, found out they came from the same area I was brought up in. Chatted, sat and drank coffee for an hour, and only talked about the job they wanted done for about ten minutes. And then they both shook my hands as I walked out the door. And I've got the job. So, I mean, and that, that's what human life and, and normal life is about. Mm. Not, not sitting away in a corner and worrying about, oh God, somebody might breathe on me. Yeah. There's lots of research into the handshake, isn't there, and how actually the exchange of the germs is, Good is the main purpose of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even though we don't... Your immune know, system is there for a reason. Yeah, I know. Sitting, sitting in the house without getting any well, daylight exa- or sunlight. Exactly. Uh, it's, that, it's horrific. That um, is a really interesting point you just made. That There are apparently... I need to go and read more about this because it's really, really interesting. But, you know, 
I saw something in a it was a Nature article. It was actually quite um, an old one, but it was about the immune systems of different animals and how animals that live on their own, like solitary creatures, their immune systems work completely differently to animals that live in groups. And the the immune the purpose of your of the human immune system is to cope with the fact that we live in big groups and that we expose ourselves to one another's viruses and material all the time. And um, it was really, really interesting. It wasn't written in the context of COVID, though, and I did think that, like, if we were able, as some people seem to want, um, to, you know, just have people who live by themselves, have them live entirely solitary lives, what would their immune system, what would actually happen to them? Like, how would their immune systems respond to that? Because, you know, yeah, like we have an immune system for a reason and we really should use it because yep. um, just like anything with the human, um, with a human... We, we need to, part, part of the way we are, we are brought up as as animals, uh-huh. interaction is one of the, is, is the best mm-hmm. way we communicate, mm-hmm. we learn, we do all sorts of things we know that all just by being yes. beside another human. And we know that human beings just cannot tolerate being on their own. And there's a reason for that is because we're supposed to fear being on our own because we evolved psychologically to fear that most of all because we can't survive on our own. We've yep. you know and um I do I do wonder how there's this sort of widespread denial of our basic humanness and thinking yeah. that oh well we'll just stop elderly people seeing anybody and then that'll that'll solve this COVID problem. Well yeah okay if you're not going to see anybody then you're probably not going to catch COVID but what is the what else is going to happen like what bad yeah. things will result from that and we just are you are you going to get depression from not yeah. seeing other people are you going to get ill in other ways from yeah, not having human interaction. The most stressful uh, thing for a human is being left on their own because, I mean, that's why, you know, torturers use social, um, solitary confinement because the worst thing you can do to a human being is separate them from other human beings. Yeah, yeah. And well, think, like I said before, my yeah. my mum, my mum is 80, 84, uh, and in the 56 years of me being alive, last week was the first time she's ever shouted out and said, I need help here. And how is she now? Have you, did you find She's back on an, she's, I saw her today, she Mm -hmm. came over for a coffee today. Mm -hmm. She was, up until November, she was one of these people that would, no, don't want to see it, don't want to see it, I'm going to die if you see me, you're going to kill granny, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Um, And after chatting to her, uh, she came round one day and she sat for four hours and we hugged and we laughed and we did everything that we normally do uh-huh. and from that day onwards she's been so much better yeah uh but this last week she had a really down day mm. um she can't get out to her allotment she can't go swimming she can't meet her friends for coffee she said what's the point in this anymore well i mean people see one of the, some of her words were People see me as an old lady, and that really tugged at my heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are an old lady, but you're very independent, 
The thing is that getting, as we all know, well, I mean, nobody knows until it happens to me, I suppose, but we're all very familiar with the fact that getting elderly or becoming elderly is very stressful at the best of times. And I mean, for me, I've got my children at home with me and I've got my husband going in and out to work and I have a purpose. I've got quite a clear purpose at the moment. And that's, even even that, even so, I'm pretty bored a lot of the time with this way of living. Um, but how people do it who are on their own, and also people as they're getting elderly as well. I mean, for your mum to go swimming, for example, as she used to do, it sounds like she did that quite a lot. You know, yeah. she would have been thinking to herself, now, I must keep going swimming for as long as I can. I won't be able to do this forever. I might not have that much longer where I can go swimming you know, regularly, and I just want to make the most of it while I can still do it. And that's so important for people yep. as they get yep. elderly, that they keep doing what they can, keep themselves fit and healthy. And it keeps yourself mentally fit. Yeah. Physically fit. Uh, I've noticed a huge change in her um, ability as a movement and stuff, because she's not doing all these things. Mm-hmm. It's also, yeah, it must be very depressing. I think, I mean, I'm conscious of that myself and I'm much younger. Just that time is wasting here. You know, that's nine months of my, ten months of my life nearly. It's been spent like this. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not, you know, a year of your life is a significant chunk of time and I just feel like it's been stolen from us. And um, when you're, I think it's you know devastating for children too because of course a childhood has an end as well. I was noticing that um, Halloween because my children just absolutely love Halloween so much. They love guising; it's like the best night of the year. They like it a lot better than Christmas even. And when we were being told you know not to go guising on Halloween, I was just thinking, no, my my children are ten, and at that time the younger one was six just like and you know how much longer how many more halloweens do we have while they still want to do this there were new traditions forged because of the change in all our lifestyles but i just i was thinking about that both at the start of life and at the end of life you don't have that many opportunities you don't and you know i just i so resent all these things being taken from us and yeah, I mean it really makes. I hear exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, one of one of the ways I try and deal with it, I go down to my workshop, I put some music on, I put it loud, and I dance because I love music. Yeah. I I could live without TV. I have no interest in TV, but music is my life. So one of the ways that keeps me sane is to disappear and put some music on, mm-hmm. uh, and that that helps me. Yeah, I'm enjoying listening to music as well. But it's weird because. Um, I was talking about that with another caller as well, that I'm finding it really difficult to look at pictures, like photos from the past, but also I can't listen to old music. I'm having to find new music to listen or music that's new to me because I can't listen to old stuff that I used to listen to because I just find being reminded of the past really, really painful. I don't know if anybody else is experiencing that. It's kind of, I think it's just... I don't believe what I'm finding, What I'm finding more with music, if you'll hear something on the radio 
it takes you back to a certain place. Mm-hmm. Even more so. That's always done. That music has always done that for me anyway. Yeah. But even more so now. Well, that was a good time. I remember hearing that on holiday in, yeah. in 
recently that opinions that I have, which are perfectly well formed in my view and perfectly legitimate, are just constantly being dismissed as, yep. as you say, a conspiracy theorist or a right wing maniac or whatever. It's yep. so ridiculous because I, I'm none of those things. But um, everything that you that you're pushing out is is researchable and backed up by evidence. Yeah. If people just want to have a, just take five minutes in the day to have a look and do a bit of research. Yeah. And that's part of my problem. I'm getting really angry with lots of people. They they call you all sorts of names and say you're talking rubbish and you're talking, you're talking with a tinfoil hat and, and just go and do something. And all, like I say, I, I didn't speak to my mum like she was a child. I just said, look, this is, this is what I'm finding. This is what this is the research I've done. This is the evidence. She then went away and did some research of her own, and has now come back and is now telling me stuff that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I think you know what? That's brilliant. Yeah. All it takes is that we seed, plant the seed, and from the seed grows an oak. That's my view all the way along. That's a, the attitude I've had for all these years, and I'm a really keen advocate of young people. And because without the young people, there's nothing. There is no future. Mm-hmm. If I had my choice, I would take on young people and train them up. I unfortunately did that, and they weren't the young people that were right for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and stayed in my business for a year, year and a half. Uh, they they weren't the, they weren't thinking the same kind of way as me towards the 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 attitude towards the job. It was just a job. They wanted six hundred pounds a week to work from nine till three, ten weeks holiday a year, and didn't want to, didn't want to have to think for themselves. And that's not the way young people should be. There is a lot of young people out there who are really keen to work, and they're really keen to do something in life. And it's getting the right one. You just need that one person. Mm-hmm. And that's the person that I'm looking for. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Well, stay sane. Stay strong. I'm trying. <laughs> and it's been... Don't stay safe because I hate the word. No, I don't say that. <laughs> uh, stay sane. I stay think. sane is my is my one I'm using at the moment. Stay sane. And, um, stay sane. Like, keep us in touch. Let us, keep in touch with us. Let us know um, how you're getting on and if things are improving. Yep. And... Thank you so much for this. Your... Is, this this has helped me immensely. Thank you. Well, good. It's good to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe we'll talk again soon. Who knows? So, um, thank you so much, though, for your honesty and being so generous with your time. And I'll be thinking about you yeah. as we move on. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Thank you for listening. We hope you found it interesting and that you'll join us again soon.